And welcome to the Women's Workshop podcast. Uh, I'm Ella, the founder of the Women's Workshop, and this is my co-partner, Immy. Hi, I'm Immy. <laughs> and we haven't been here for a little while because I've been moving house, so I've been very unavailable and very bad at providing content, etc. But we're back. So, yeah, welcome. Huh? Sorry? So this is season two of the podcast. Is it season two? We could do, yeah. No, this is season two of the podcast. Okay, fuck it. Should we redo that? No, no, no. Let's just keep going. Let's just leave this in because we're professional. Okay, right. <laughs> this is season two of the podcast, apparently. Um, and announcement-wise, uh, we have a competition to announce, which we have been meaning to announce for ages, but we've been keeping you waiting, you know, to build anticipation. Um, so the competition is called What Does Feminism Mean to You? And you can create any piece of art in any medium and the winner will receive the grand grand prize of being commissioned by us to create us a logo for the women's workshop podcast yeah um, i think we spoke briefly on this in the podcast we did with dominica any medium we we, we just want to see your beautiful artwork and like any medium will will that will work as a logo like you can do a sculpture and take a picture of it that'd be awesome yeah, you could even do some performance art stuff, film it, and we'll just have it playing in the logo. I don't know if you can do that, but I'm sure you can. Where there's a will, there's a way. Huh? You can't do that? No, Spotify doesn't let us do moving. Fucking hell, you should be able to do that. Okay, well, I'm sorry, then it can't be a moving image. But if you do a performance art piece, you could photograph it. So technically any art medium that can be still and put into a logo. So uh, yeah, and, oh, and preferably as well, this isn't part of the competition, but we were hoping that the logo would also include our faces in it because uh, we're very vain and, you know, we're also lacking a little bit in self-love. So we just want some appreciation, you know? Yeah, you can see more details. We're posting them. Uh, they'll probably already be posted on the Instagram page um, by the time this goes out, but we will be posting them on the Instagram page as well. Um, also, uh, I would like to announce my digital marketing tips for small businesses series. So as many of you know, I am a full-time digital marketer. I am by no means an expert. I've literally been doing it for five months of my entire life. And most of the time I have no idea what I'm doing. But I have some knowledge, which I thought I would share with you. So if anyone's interested or has any ideas, wants to learn about social media marketing, digital marketing, website optimization, uh, Instagram tips and tricks and Instagram for business, then let me know. Um, do you have anything else to announce to me? Well, if, if I'm allowed to. Of course, of course, <laughs> announce the way. If you let me. I shall uh, let you. I would like to be setting up a women's workshop twitch channel which i'll stream some maybe some video game playing but predominantly next month when i move flat i'll be uh, streaming dj sets so we can have a little boogie on a saturday night if i'm not working that would be amazing did you see a twitter account you're setting up twitch twitch i was gonna say we already have a twitter account <laughs> yeah we do it's the it's women's underscore workshop no it's not it's something else 
Well, you, you'll be able to find it at some point. To be honest, our Instagram content is more interesting. So if you want to go to Instagram, it's um, at the women's underscore workshop. Um, so yeah, if you want to follow us on Instagram, we often, you know, waffle about things. We share your beautiful artwork. We announce amazing competitions so we can commission you to work for us. <laughs> it's all a lot of fun. So anyway, without further ado, uh, today we're going to be interviewing Zoe, uh, who's known as SZ Creative on Instagram and she's an incredible photographer um, yeah, so we'll be right. talking to her a little bit today about her work um, so yeah hope you enjoy so hi Zoe and welcome to the women's workshop podcast thank you so much for coming on today hello <laughs> how are you doing I'm not so bad, all things considered. What about yourself? Yeah, not too bad, you know, new house, just life, you know, it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> what about you, Amy? Are you all right? I'm dandy. <laughs> that sounded slightly sarcastic. A little bit. I'm not pulling the curtain back for anybody, but if you heard Bipolar Abdul's podcast, then you probably know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. My internet's garbage. Oh, right. Sorry. I thought you meant there was some big, like, political thing going yeah, on. Yeah, I actually thought you meant you were having a bit of a crisis in life. I'm picking my battles. <laughs> How have you been uh, doing during lockdown, Zoe? Like, with um, photography and life in general, how's it going? I haven't. <laughs> basically because I'm a portrait photographer and I rely on people to do my photography and you're not being allowed to be within the vicinity of people I've been at a standstill um, yeah th there was like a gap last year where you were allowed to do some stuff where one of my shoots was actually with Immy um, in like September uh, that were great because then I got like a little bit of a break in the year between not being able to do anything and then again not being able to do anything. Yeah. Um, but it's made it quite difficult as well because I've been a key worker this whole time in customer services. So on top of where people would normally be furloughed and maybe have a bit more time to explore other mediums and that, I've just been at work. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's been just a really fucking shitty year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You could say that again. Especially like for the creative industry and like the arts and like some small businesses have like taken off during lockdown and done really well. Like I've seen so many people on TikTok and yes, I do guiltily watch and enjoy TikTok, but like so many small businesses have blown up on there. But then so many other people like, you know, you, for example, aren't, haven't been able to get the work they want to get, especially photography. As you said, it's so hard having to rely on people to create your artwork exactly um i mean it, the whole thing is quite subjective it depends what type of artist you are like you said with a lot of businesses taking off uh we've probably got that we're living in an online world to thank for because uh for example in the times of the spanish flu and all you had to do was write a letter you can't you've got so many more avenues of getting out there now people are just able to go around the world if they wanted to um and again with like different forms of art there's probably been people that have 
either been furloughed or do a completely different type of art to me that have had more time to do it in because of the lockdown. Mm-hmm. Whereas obviously people that rely on going out and taking pictures of people like myself have been at a standstill. There has been a lot of people that will have thrived from it because a lot of other things have come about it, like time and space. Yeah, exactly. Well, I was in a really similar position to you last year because when I was finishing off my um, uni course, uh, I did a lot of photography and my last project was going to be this big project on like uh, drag queens and like transformations from like no makeup to makeup and I was going to do all these like photography books with them and then obviously like lockdown hit and the uni's closed and everything oh. and uh, it was like so devastating because I had all of these plans and I remember emailing my tutor um, who I despised um, and she was I was just like like what do I you know what do I do I have all of these plans and also I think it was quite a lot easier I mean I, lo- I know lockdown was shit for everyone but I think it was a lot easier for people who like painted or drew and stuff because you can sort of just do that from anywhere whereas if you have to if you collaborate with other people a lot then it's much harder to create your work if you rely on collaboration yeah no absolutely like you say uh, with the drag work type even drag queens bless them they've been able to do videos at home but not being able to go out and do the shows that they do go to the club nights that they host and like they've not been able to earn from it so makeup and costumes wigs are expensive they've not had any income coming in for that unless they've got a side hustle um there's been a lot of photographers that have been able to i don't know grab a teacup and take a nice picture of it at home and that gives them that little bit of a lift (laughs) personally it bores the shit out of me i um (laughs) i'm not a great still life photographer it goes without saying Um, (laughs) i do bits and bats but only if i have to (laughs) i don't really like still life well no to be fair like i think some still life photographers who are like specialize in it can do really cool stuff and like also there was this photographer who does um all these landscapes made out of food like i don't know if you know them but like creates like all these like mountains and everything but you literally wouldn't even know it was food but he makes out of like you know carrots and potatoes and everything and like that's really really cool but i just i don't think i'd have the patience for that either i'd be like i don't this fucking potato doesn't look like a boat (laughs) that requires time that i have no concept of no (laughs) exactly I feel like in lockdown it's either been like there's been the people who've been really productive and like I don't know started a business or like done all of like focused on their dreams and then there's like the couch potatoes which was me who were like I don't know what to do with life I might just sit here until this all blows over yeah I just developed a love of macrame and a drinking problem (laughs) oh god yeah I've been drinking so much like I I used to barely drink at all and like lockdown it's been like I've had a shameful amount to drink and just yeah it's it's been bad (laughs) I think it's happened to the best of us (laughs) I really feel like an odd duck because I've been sober for six years stayed sober through the lockdown and I wrote an album and an EP during the lockdown so I feel like a bit of an odd duck in this yeah you can fuck off quite frankly <laughs> little miss productive oh god you're so she's one annoying. of them banana bread types isn't she i did bake a lot as well. <laughs> see <laughs> i didn't bake banana bread because vegan but i but i did make some nice biscuits I, um, I do love a banana bread i want to get back into baking actually because i hate cooking i just 
I just can't be bothered with it. I just, I really can't. But baking, I really like because you can sort of like, you can eat the mixture along the way, you know? You can't have like a little nibble of raw chicken along the way unless you want salmonella. So <laughs> it's like, it's the baking mixture for me. That's the best bit about baking though, is the mixture. I mean, I've sworn never to try baking again. Um, Why? Because there was an episode where I thought it'd be a really cool idea to try and make some muffins. And um, when I was putting like the mixture together, I thought you had to put about, I think I put three tablespoons of bicarbonate of soda in. Oh no! And you're only supposed to use about half a teaspoon. Um, so that, yeah, they were massive. They, they tasted like bleach. And I've told myself I'm never gonna do it again. Oh no, you have to try it again. Just no, do one, one teaspoon. Ella, for the sake of humanity, no. <laughs> well, this is I... why I don't do the instructions. I just go there. That looks far right. <laughs> oh my god, no! I could, I, I could not do that. I literally, when I say I bake, I follow a recipe. I can't stray from the recipe. What would happen? My man just went, look at it. If it looks like it's all right, it's all right. If it needs a bit more, if it looks like it needs a bit more, it needs a but bit more. How, how do you know? How, like, what what baking just, intuition is this? How do you know if it looks all right? I literally just, wouldn't um, know. I'm like, I need to read an instruction that tells me it needs to be like a creamy milk-like structure. I can't believe you live alone. Who, me? No, Amy. Amy. I mean, I could understand why you live alone, Ella, because you sound like you can actually look after yourself. <laughs> One, I don't live alone. I live with my boyfriend. And Fair. two, no, I fucking could not live alone. I would die. They would fire me within a week, like, just with no food in the house, like, <laughs> laying on the floor. Um. Oh, my God. No, Zoe, I could not. I could not live alone. <laughs> I am. I cannot take care of myself at all. I can. I can't even keep house plants alive. Oh, see, that's one thing I'm quite good at. I'll take pride in that because my mum's managed to kill an air plant, but I am a bit of a hoarder when it comes to plants, and I've got loads. <laughs> well, see, I've always wanted to be a plant person, but I'm just not very good at keeping them alive. But I did buy loads of house plants for this house, just in the hope that I might change. You know. Um, it's like having clothes that you don't fit into anymore, but you just sort of keep because you're like, maybe like one day, even though it's never going to happen. Well, you've got but... Martin to help you feed the plants as well. Yes. Well, I, no, to be fair, I've actually watered them every day since I've been here. So you've got to be careful with what types, though, because some plants, you've not got to overwater them every day. Some plants get away with like once a week, I just like cacti they, and stuff. They all, I thought they, they just they all needed watering every day. No. What? That's so unfair. Can't you just throw off one, like, you know, genre of life? Can't they just all take the same stuff? No, because, for example, I've got a Venus flytrap, and you're not actually supposed to water them with tap water because the pH is too high and it can kill them. So you're supposed to use rainwater. Ah, that would explain the death of Vera. She was my Venus flytrap in the first year of uni that I got from the plant sale, and she did not live long. But Pedro, the um, aloe vera plant, did live quite a while, but then I ripped off one of his arms in a drunken haze and threw it at someone. 
But he did actually live after that. No, what killed Pedro was um, I went on a night out and I got very, very catatonically drunk. And this girl like took me home. It was really nice of her, but she she was also very drunk and she knocked Pedro over on the way out. And I was like passed out on the bed. And the next day he was just strewn across the floor. So all of these really ties down to you being drunk. <laughs> no, no, Vera. Vera was a sober kill. Ah, oh, right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so any sort of any for any soberness that I'm at, the plants die, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a little bit about you and how you got started in photography, Zoe. Well, um. I only discovered photography a bit later on. Oh dear, she's gone. <laughs> um, oh, that's fine. She'll be back. <laughs> well, I didn't. I grew up with kind of no hobbies at all. I was a bit of a boring kid, and I just kind of stayed in, played PlayStation Two, you know, rock and roll. Um, but when I finished college and I failed all the sciences and stuff, because that was what I was really interested in at the time. I thought, well, I might as well try and get a full-time job. But then I thought to myself, well, actually, I really like taking pictures. And it all came about when this frog hopped into our kitchen and I went and grabbed my camera instead of getting it out of the kitchen. Uh, my mum was, like, there screaming, like, Zoe, get that frog out of the house, get that frog out, and I'm just there taking pictures of it. <laughs> and that's when I kind of thought, actually, I'm going to try photography, just sod it. And then um, college, uni, and a few jobs later, here I am. <laughs> what? So what sort of, what did you start in? What was your favourite thing to photograph? Well, when you're getting into photography, if, I like to call it this bit of a honeymoon phase where you take pictures of everything. And usually the taboo is like close-ups of fence and barbed wires, like the odd landscape, like kind of picture just someone's dog you take pictures of everything that's there basically wow. and you try and be really edgy and creative about it well, but um i used to take pictures of reflections in people's glasses yes i used to do that too um but when i really started to find my niche it was music photography like doing a lot of band work promotion live on stage and I, I did a lot of alternative modeling work so I have this really major goth phase uh, I've never fully left it but I'm not as gothic as I used to be what was that what was the full-on goth Zoe look like <laughs> um big new rock boots with the metal plates on the front massive eyeliner <laughs> uh, a band t-shirt like the the works um and I used to oh, photograph a lot amazing. of gothic models. Uh, I still do, actually, sometimes. <laughs> oh, I absolutely, like, oh, I'd love to be a goth. I just, like, I have, I was a, I was a part-time goth for a while. Um, because when I was about 13, I don't know why, but I was really drawn to, like, like really boho, like, proper, like, gringo, colourful patchwork dungarees. And, like, just the hippie lifestyle with flower bands around my head. Or goth. Um, there was like those two extremes, and I sort of went with goth. So like on the weekends, I was at uh, boarding school where it was horrible and oppressive. So I just wore my school uniform, and then on the weekends, it was like black eyeliner, black hot pants, like fishnet tights, and I, I just I thought I was really cool as well. <laughs> yeah, I like to consider myself a retired goth. <laughs> like every now and then, the new rocks come out but on the rare occasion, usually just for concerts, because I still <laughs> like all the heavy metal music and that. 
but I, I barely wear anything really gothic anymore. Yeah, well, I went to uh, a Sisters of Mercy concert just before oh, COVID. Wow. It was literally like two days before everything, like we went into lockdown. Um, and oh my goodness, it was amazing. It was literally just like an army of goths. Like you just would not believe. And like all like the proper old goths as well. Like the like 70 year old men with like the long gray beards and the massive leather jackets. And yeah, I truly felt at home. Can I ask, cause I'm curious. When I saw Sisters of Mercy, well, sorry. When I was at a Sisters of Mercy concert, cause you can never see them on stage because they just fill the stage with smoke. Could you actually see any of the members of Sisters of Mercy or was it just you watching some music playing from a cloud of smoke? Yeah, you know what? I actually, I, I don't think they did that much smoke when I went to see them. A little bit of smoke, but I did see them for most of the concert. We were quite close as well. I think it was in the, um, oh, was it in the O2? I think it was in the O2. What are the other arenas? It wasn't the massive one. It was the not as massive one. It, so it was the O2, yeah. Uh, they've played like, a, I think it was only a few years prior, they played the uh, O2 Stylus in Leeds, which is the sort of, not the O2 Stylus, the, uh, it's like the Student Union, uh, which is only, it's not a large venue by any stretch. Um, I mean, I saw them at Sonosphere, um, like when I went in 2014, and that, that's when I said, like, oh, I'm going to stop back because so I'm going to watch Sisters of Mercy. And I think I left halfway through, not because they sounded bad, they sounded great, but I was just tired of choking on fumes. <laughs> well, I didn't choke on any smoke fumes, but there were some really awful, like, old man farts. Oh. Like, oh, oh yeah, no, it was, it was, and it was really, like, packed as well. You were just, like, packed in against all these, like, old men and loads of them were farting. Now I've got a theory because I'm assuming not a lot of them have the hair that they used to have. (laughs) Just on on their beards. Yeah, I think that might be it. And I think that's why they had a lot of smoke on the concert was because every now and then I think I saw like a bald man emerging and then hiding back again. (laughs) (laughs) It's to to hide the fact that they're no longer like youthful goths. Yeah, I mean, they could just embrace embrace it like uh, Robert Smith has, but no. <laughs> oh, I love I love Robert Smith. He's I thought I saw Robert Smith in Chester once. I don't know why like he would be in Chester. He wouldn't really be in Chester, but it wasn't Robert Smith. It was just but he had like he was quite tall, so that it also wouldn't have been Robert Smith because I'm pretty sure <laughs> he's like tiny. But he had like the proper massive hair, like that was exactly Robert Smith's colour, you know, like kind of blacky grey and yeah. crazy, and he had like eyeliner. And I was following him around, like, oh my god, is that Robert Smith? And yeah, to my disappointment, it was not Robert Smith. <laughs> I do one day hope to meet him because I adore him. Well, one can dream. One can dream, yeah. <laughs> so what would you say that your main aesthetic with your art is? It's really adaptable. Um, it's quite a bold statement to consider me an artist. I'm more of a creative because with an artist, I think they kind of get this impulse to do something creative and they'll they'll go to the stretch of the medium and it's mainly for them but I'm more of a creative practitioner. I work for other people for the joy of not just myself, but other people. So with that, my aesthetics kind of, it's malleable to whomever I'm working with at the time. Um, 
so yeah in a way it's kind of blasphemous for me to go around saying oh yeah I'm an artist I'm an artist I'm just a professional photographer at the end of the day <laughs> I think it depends like what you define an artist as like I don't know I mean do you think like do you think any photographers are artists oh absolutely I mean in my right I'm technically an artist because I create stuff but there are photographers for example that there's some incredible photographers that take some pictures based on like their dreams in their sleep psychosis for example or like to represent mental health issues women's issues there's there's photographers that'll do that and they'll like get all the mediums together so like if they're using a model if they've got like props and stuff and they'll do it for that and it'll be for like a cause or there's usually a narrative behind people's work sometimes i don't feel like there's really that narrative there's not that reason for it except from i'm just working with this person let's do it yeah i think um to be honest i think you can just like i love art like crazy conceptual stuff like i like really weird art that you know is like i don't know someone like I always use this example because I can't think of anything else, but like just someone like, I don't know, dancing through like raining blood or something like that. But like, but but that like has some sort of like deep meaning behind it. You know, it's like a critique on the modern social world or something like that. But I do also just kind of appreciate art that's just aesthetic. Do you know what I mean? Like, like beautiful paintings of like, I don't know, a naked woman lying in flowers or something. It's like, does it have meaning or is it just like a beautiful woman laying in beautiful flowers? Yeah, I think a lot of my work is not beautiful women laying in beautiful flowers. Um, but it's that kind of, it's not so much me trying to tell a story behind the picture because I've not even got time to think about what I want for breakfast, never mind what I want to spell out in a photograph. <laughs> For me, a lot of the time, I think you nailed it on the head, really. It's more to do with, say, an aesthetic. And, mm. like, people on Pinterest will take certain things that will appease some audiences kind of thing. I think that's kind of more to the way to describe my style. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think um, photography especially is something that quite a lot of people have struggled to view as an art form um, in terms of... I think just because I feel like there's always been like a bit of competition between sort of like painters and drawers, like traditional art and sort of more modern forms of art. And lots of people who talk about photography who don't know anything about photography, you know, will say, well, like, it's just, you know, pressing a button on a camera. So like, how how is that like original or creative or unique? And it's like, well, because it's all, it's like, it's the planning that goes into it. It's like the lighting, the exposure, how you work the camera to take a great photo and then all of the post-production. Yeah, editing is a massive part of it. Huge. You did the photo, the album cover for my most recent EP, and the edit on that was really pretty. Oh, thank you. Again, that was an idea that kind of spun off of Pinterest because everything's been done once already. Mm. The trick to being a photographer, a creative photographer, is just to try and put your stamp on it and make it look like it's never been done before, which in actual fact it all has. Um, but yeah, right, with Immy's EP, I thought that's going to be a really cool idea, making her look quite 3D. And um, 
you can actually like change some of the color channels in Photoshop and like just move her about and that worked really well and I was like I'm so proud of that picture I'm just really glad to see it slapped on her cover. So Zoe would you like to say a little bit about where are your favorite environments to shoot in? Um, It's always going to be the studio for me uh quite a snooty photographer really <laughs> i like having more control i'm a huge control freak and like any typical british weather you can't rely on the outdoors a lot <laughs> very so true especially at the moment it's been absolutely insane horrendous like there was one day where it like snowed and then it would bloom in sunny the next minute i know it's, <laughs> it's literally impossible to get dressed in the morning Probably, yeah. A lightning storm in Leeds. There's a what? A light, a, a lightning storm. Yeah, we had one last night. Oh, we did. It was, it was humongous. Oh, was it Tuesday night? Oh, ours was two nights in a row. Ah, oh, fair. It's just Leeds that Leeds is a storm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I had a little studio of my own. Um, I had it for just short of a year, and I used to do a lot of portraits and headshots in there. And I just, it, it were a nice space to go to as well. It wasn't just about doing the photography in there. I used to just take my laptop and edit and play some yeah. pictures. And I used to drink there a lot. Oh, that's so nice. Oh, I'd it love to have great. my own studio to oh. get drunk in. It, it was awesome. Like, I just loved having the environment because I had to move back in with my mum. Like, with no, no disrespect to my mum because I love her to pieces. But we always clashed because I'd come back from having my independence she's got hers and we used to just row all the time so for me the studio was a place to go to that was mine and it was Mm. my space i could be there yeah do you did you so did you have all of the like photography equipment there as well did you get all the like big lights and everything yeah um i i used to use uh like um what do you call them (laughs) i've forgotten the word i used to use the um Oh, the reflector thingies. No, sorry, flash guns. Oh! <laughs> what kind of photographer forgets that? <laughs> but I used to use the flash guns and I used to like pop them on a, a separate stand with like a trigger. And um, they worked just as well. I had like softbox attachments for them, uh, reflectors to put up on like booms. And I used to experiment with different backgrounds. Um, one of my favorite pictures to come out of the studio, I actually used a background that was like a, crunkle, a crinkled up bit of mountaineering blanket. And um, I actually learned that from another photographer I follow called uh, Rafael Vigal. Uh, I think that's his name. I think that's how you pronounce it. And um, he used to use all things like that and like a really shallow depth of field to get like the proper blur of all the lights in the background because they used to reflect off the crinkles. And it was just amazing how he did it. And he used to post his behind the scenes. I was like, I've got to try that. Oh, I love like it. I love like little DIY photography stuff like that. Like um, stuff for like lenses as well. Like things to put over the lens. Like what do you, what are your like little photography tricks that you use that no one else knows? Or pe- some some people may know, but I wouldn't know, so. Mainly sell it to keep my gear together. What, like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, having to sell it my lights together and um, 
on the stand, having to sell take the stands because the stands are aged and <laughs> I'm, I'm from the north, I'm stingy and I don't like spending a lot of money. So if, if, if you can gaffer take anything back to place then... <laughs> so uh, Zoe's top tip is always carry gaffer tape if you're going on a photo shoot. <laughs> Literally, you never know when you might need it. <laughs> um, so... Hey. Oh. You like you control Zoe. Why did why did you decide to start photo shooting nightclubs where no one has any control? Not even the bar staff, not even the door staff. <laughs> well, it wasn't so much decided for me as um believe it or not, there was actually a, a nightclub before Viaduct I used to photograph in uh, when I started uni, because I studied in Derby. And they had this really cool rock nightclub called Mosh. And it was where all the like gothic, ex-emo types, the ones that really loved the pop punk used to go, and, and students, because it was cheap. And um, I think it was on a whim that I was on a night out there once, and I was talking to a guy with a camera about cameras, and I was drunk as shit at this point. Like, I always am. And he says, they're hiring a photography, you know? I was like, are they? And I applied, and I think I got the job straight away. Um, <laughs> in my drunken state, I went to speak to the manager. I'm like, I want the photography job, and I got it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I photographed at Mosh for a year while I was at uni. With Viaduct, I mean, I love that place. Um, I was, I obviously moved back home, and I was a freelancer working in like a studio at the time for a company, and. I needed a bit of a side hustle on the night because I wasn't earning enough. And one of my old um, photography friends actually says, oh, you know, Viaduct in Leeds are looking. And that's how that happened, really. I ended up just getting commended for the role. And yeah, it, it was amazing fun. The the product, I think the um, the uncertainty of a nightclub with people wandering around drunk is what makes half of the fun. <laughs> you never know what you're gonna get. You could get someone peeing on the bar. You could get someone snogging a lamp post. You know. What Endless... kind of clubs do you go to, Ella? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> We've met at Revs. We did have someone pee on the bar once. Oh my god. Yeah. Thankfully, I wasn't behind the bar when it actually happened. But I was upstairs and I came down and they were like, "Someone has literally pissed onto the bar." <laughs> <laughs> that is the sort of nightclub I worked in. <laughs> Bab. <laughs> I mean, I can't say our fair share didn't happen at Viaduct. I mean, Emmy probably saw most of it where she was. Oh my God. I remember looking through, because the doors didn't lock properly in the Viaduct toilets. And I remember being sat in the cloakroom, turning slightly and just being like, oh, yeah, that's two people eating each other out. I'm just going to look down. Just not even gonna, not even gonna acknowledge it. Not gonna call security. They're clearly having a good time. <laughs> That's very nice of you. To be fair, I don't think I'd rat on people like having sex in the bathroom. When Although, nature calls. <laughs> I mean, I exactly. You know, it's primal. What, what are you gonna do? <laughs> but I did once rat on someone. I actually felt kind of bad for it, but I ratted on someone because they were literally like snorting coke in the middle of the dance floor, like not oh even God. hiding it at all. Like they were just doing it in. Like I'm just like the audacity, like sort of respect in a way but like literally just pouring it onto the side like because they had little side bits where you could put your drinks in like the middle of the dance floor and they were just snorting up and i was like is is, is that okay 
there's just other roles for nightclubs that aren't accepted anywhere. Well, they're not accepted in nightclubs, but the, you just wouldn't even dream of doing something like that in a shop, for example. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> depends how long the um, the night goes on for. <laughs> And if you, you know, and you could end up in a shop in um, Iceland at this music festival I went to. I mean, to be fair, there wasn't like a lot of drink and drugs as far as I was aware, but um, they literally had like all their concerts and like shops and stuff around the city. So <clears throat> if that had gotten really crazy, maybe people would have been snorting stuff off like the winter coats. So I just started a new job in retail, and apparently, in the fitting rooms before, they have found like used condoms. So. <gasps> Oh, no. oh okay no i don't know why i sort of feel like and i don't know why i feel like this but i sort of feel like the bathroom of a nightclub is a more acceptable to have place than the changing room of a shop but i don't i don't know i don't know where that logic's come from called me old-fashioned i prefer a bed in privacy <laughs> no the, the, the thought of that makes me laugh really but a bathroom of all places oh i know it's like think of what other people yeah. do in here mm. <laughs> yeah no i think i think that's definitely that's not on my bucket list <laughs> no not no. at all but um anyway moving on <laughs> from the bathroom do you want to ask question five because i feel like it'll mean more coming from you no, see, I was just about to say to you, what the fuck is that question about? <laughs> like, I, um, I, I will ask you the question, Zoe, but I did not write this question. So, what would you say defines a punchable face? <laughs> Exhibit oh. A, Imogen Quilter. Anyway, yeah, this, this question stems from one night, me, not having a particularly good night, actually. I think this was after I'd just come out to my parents about being trans. Zoe turns to me and says, you've got a really punchable face. And I was like, thanks, Zoe, best friend. <laughs> That's the very genesis of mine and Amy's friendship. I mean, every everybody, all my friends know I do tear them to bits. It's not because I'm a bitch. I am a bitch. I'm, I just do it for comfort and fun. That's the type of person I am. So, uh, yeah, Amy, um, suck it up, I guess. <laughs> Um, I feel like so many people have like friendships where you just like roast each other constantly but I like I don't know if this is bad I just don't have friendships like that like my best friend of all time is literally like my lover like we spoon we cuddle we like we give each other loads of compliments like is that normal I actually worry I'm like should we be roasting each other <laughs> I'm, I'm just one of those people, unfortunately. I, I think you've you've got to. There's people like, for example, I don't think I could physically roast you, Ella. I don't <laughs> know why I just can't. Why? But there's people in my life that I can. I think it it might be a judge of people's character. Like Immy's really, really tough to it. So do I come across as quite sensitive? I guess so. But then I've I've only known you for about a month. Yeah, true. No, to be fair, I, I'm shit at comebacks. Like, I'm really bad at them. Like, if someone, like, because I have one of my friends, she did used to roast me constantly. She was trying to train me for the real world because she knew that I was really shit at comebacks. So she just used to roast me constantly and, like, encourage me to come back at her. And I just get into this, like, 
I just get really flustered. I'm just like, well, you, you just, you, fuck you, bitch. I think I could probably sense that, and that's probably why I'm afraid. I don't want to be that person that says something and then makes someone cry. I'd oh no I, pro- I wouldn't cry I do cry at all tv shows but I don't cry that often in real life from people saying stuff to me so don't worry like feel free to have a roast I'm just not very good at giving the roast back I'm from a family where we get together once a blue moon and when we get together it's just constantly throwing insults around <laughs> and believe me it's not in bad nature like we get along really well as a family we love each other to pieces but that is just the type of relationship we have (laughs) (laughs) well maybe when you get to know me more you can give me a roast because I feel a bit I feel like I've said roast way too many times now the words become like weird but (laughs) I feel very left out not being not being insulted so please have a good think and give me an insult sometime tell you what Ella we'll have a night out and then (laughs) I'll get drunk and then the roasting will commence and then maybe you'll apply for a job, you know, at some like shop in Iceland where they're doing a music festival. I mean, Iceland, I'd love to see. So... Iceland is amazing. Oh my God. It's so, it's just, everyone's just really nice there, but it's very cold. Very, very, very cold. Is it expensive? Yeah, it's very expensive. Mm. I mean, I presume if you live in like, you know, one of the little villages, but like Reykjavik is pretty much like the only actual like city with stuff in it like I think everything else is just really small villages you could go and live in a really small village and it might not be that expensive but it's because like they're super independent well independent they actually no I'm I'm about to contradict this because they import everything so wait is that right I don't know it's very expensive so I presume they have to do lots of imports and stuff but I got a vodka and coke there once and it cost me 15 pounds equivalent (gasps) of 15 pounds for vodka and coke Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's pretty shocking. So yeah, it is cold and very expensive. But apart from that, it's it's very it's very nice. <laughs> yeah, it's somewhere I'd like to visit just as a tourist. I mean, I've I've never liked the idea of living abroad. I'm too much of a home bird, but I absolutely adore going on holiday and seeing loads of different places. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is what I'm so well, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I think you cut off a bit of me. I said, we're, we're, supposed to be, we're supposed to be going to the Faroe Islands with Dominica anyway. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so in our um, last podcast, we were talking about what were we going to do? We're going to have like a party on a beach. Um, oh, and then I also agreed with Dominica that we'd have like a period drama themed party on a beach in the Faroe Islands. Oh, yeah, just because I'm very into my um, period drama. Well, I say period dramas. It's just Paul Dark, which I'm re-watching. But um, I just, I want like, to dress you... up in a ball gown and go to the beach. Why not? Are you into Paul Dark or are you into the man? No, I, like, literally, I am in love equally with Demelza and um, Ross Poldark, both of them. To be honest, slightly more Demelza because Ross Poldark can be an arsehole. I'm like fucking in love with both of them. Genuinely, I was thinking if I could have to choose to have a threesome with anyone, it would be those two because they are like the most beautiful people in the entire world. But I'd need them in their period drama costumes. To really get you going. Yeah, yeah. And they'd have to speak, you know, in, in their their accents from Poldark as well, like the posh. And um, actually her accent's more of like a, I'm not gonna do it cause I'll embarrass myself. <laughs> but it's like um, sort of that old English, like 
I think they say the and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, she's just, they're, they're just all really fit. Uh, uh, yeah, they're just I'm, I'm sorry, I said getting that. a bit flustered. <laughs> um but yeah anyway so um circling back to zoe uh after the uh punchable face question which i have <laughs> asked if Immy was is uh still here you may ask the next question Immy. unface related we're not having a seance today anymore we're um so are there any other styles of art that you wanted to venture into why do you like them um, etc God, I'm professional. <laughs> um, I, well, with photography, there's, like, there's no such thing as different types of cameras. They all do roughly the same thing. It's just a different brand. It, you don't get like your oil paints, your charcoals, your different types of paper or whatever. Um, but I would like to get back out with my film camera again. Uh, it sounds really cliche and everybody's doing it it's incredibly pretentious but it with film and the kind of camera we've got like it's a manual camera you kind of you learn photography again like you've got to do everything yourself kind of thing from like loading the film taking the pictures if you've got a dark room which i don't have access to developing and then printing so you learn everything and that's the kind of thing I'd maybe like to get back into shooting film again, just not only for the nostalgia side of it, but just to come back to that sort of art style, because it does have this certain aesthetic to it, which digital photography doesn't have, depending on the type of film you get. I've, do you, um, have you worked much in film before? I did it at uni. Um, so we did a module in our first year that was solely around using film and obviously developing and then printing said film. We did work mostly with black and white. Like we did um, one module on colour film, but I just remember that being an absolute arse to develop and print because <laughs> you've got like all these different filters on the enlarger you've got to use to get the right tone. And it's just, oh God, it's such a farce. But it does look nice when it's mm. on the paper, when it's on the film as well. Like you, it's got this certain look to it that like say you can probably do with Lightroom filters with a digital camera there's nothing's mm. impossible in photography anymore but it's nice it's a nice feeling loading the film and not knowing what you get until you're looking and then you've developed the film then you realize all your shots are shit and you're like oh no <laughs> <laughs> um I think I've done uh I took some photos on a film camera once and developed it because uh, I did photography for GCSE um and it's just like I think there's something quite like nostalgic about it, even though we've, I probably can't really say nostalgic because it's not like back in my day they used film cameras. But like, I don't know, it's just like, there's something more tangible about it than digital photographs. Like, you know, like books, like I really don't like reading on a Kindle because I like having a book in my hand. And I mean, I think digital photographs are amazing as well, but there, there is something about like, Develop, going through the whole like long process of like putting it on all the chemicals and exposing it for the right amount of time and hang it up and then like pulling it down it just does feel like different to hold it does absolutely i completely agree with that and uh yeah that's not the same but i've done pretentious. <laughs> i've done work with tape and i still own a tape player and i think i feel the same way like tape it just feels nicer it's an absolute arsehole to produce with because you've only got two channels so you've got to keep mixing and mixing as you're going so it's an absolute arsehole but it sounds nice 
it's nice to hold. That's it. It's a good keepsake and it's a blast from the past. Uh, I mean, I've, I've got like a collection of records and vinyls that I absolutely adore. Like, they're not all like new. Like, obviously, bands nowadays are creating vinyls for the same reason that kind of nostalgia value, the historical value, and just because it's cool. But um, we, we've got some like, from back when LPs were all they had in record stores, like my mum handed me some over. Like I just recently gave some of my friends some of her ABBA ones. Uh, she's had like Elton John ones. So I've still got the turntable and I just love playing all old oldies. I just, I think it is a bit sad that we're moving away from, like it's all going digital. Like there's loads of great stuff about going digital, but you know, there is just like loads of stuff we're losing. Like even like, I'm just getting really nostalgic now, but like, I remember going to Blockbusters to like get these and stuff like with my mom. And like, we'd go and like pick out horrors because we love horror films. So we'd like go and we'd like browse all of the shelves and like we'd take it and then we'd return it through the little Blockbuster like mailbox. And like, I don't know, it's just like sad that even watching like videos, like for a brief time, like we did what, like I did watch like Scooby-Doo videos when I was about five and six and we had a VHS player. And like, I know I just miss having like those like tangible things that you can, rather than just like clicking. Do you know what I mean? It's just not quite the same. Yeah. I had, uh, up until I left uni actually, I had a TV that had a VHS player built in and I only had one VHS like film and that was um, the Tim Burton Sleepy Hollow. And I remember I put it on for me and my fella when he were at mine once, and it got right to the end. And then suddenly the, the tape just span out of control. It went in this, in this oh, um, no. I was just like, oh, well, that's that fault. <laughs> and that's why they did go digital. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason why everything's evolved. We yeah. evolved. You know, <laughs> but um, I even miss like um, on old DVDs and videos. You know, they used to play like um, adverts for for all of like, like trailers for like all the upcoming shows. But they're obviously like old now. But like new Disney films coming out, and they also had like the piracy video. Do you remember the piracy video? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, the one with the eye. Like it was like a blacksmith that used to scare the hell out of me. A blacksmith? There was like a blacksmith forming like this, like making this red hot poker to brand all the criminals. Oh, I do remember that. that. Oh my God, I don't remember that. I think I repressed it and now you brought it back. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Oh my god, I just remember like the guy going into the shop and stealing the thing and they were like, you wouldn't steal a car. <laughs> oh, I remember that one, yeah, because that's been memed like you wouldn't steal a house. <laughs> you could try. It always made me feel really stressed though. Like, do you remember in school when like the teacher would tell off your class because someone did something and even if like you didn't do it, you felt really guilty. That's how I felt whenever the piracy advert came on. I was like, oh my God, have I stolen something? Is, is there something I don't remember stealing? Did I steal a TV? <laughs> it's like when you walk past a police car and you've always got that guilty look on your face, even if you've done no wrong. <laughs> yeah just authority authority just used to scare me I was not I wish I had been a rebel but I really wasn't I did try like dyed my hair and like got piercings and got a tattoo that that was my attempt to be a rebel but like 
Yeah, and just authority scares me. The police scare me. Which, to be fair, is right because, you know, the police are corrupt. And with that, do you want to ask the next question? Yeah, so moving on. <laughs> um, have you, would you say, in your profession, experienced any sort of prejudice or misogyny based on the fact that you're a woman in the industry? Or has it been quite an inclusive experience? In terms of photography itself, no. But when I used to work at Jessup's, the camera shop, we had a lot of customers that wouldn't talk to me and ask me for advice because I was a girl. Uh, that was quite common. I remember one time I were on the floor, not like on the floor, like I was stood up. I was walking around. I, I wasn't. I wasn't laid on the floor. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of people who are in retail that don't know what that meant. So I was. I was doing this stuff, you know, just going about. And uh, this guy came in and he was like looking at memory cards. And you, they had this policy where you have to approach customers within ten seconds of them walking in the door, which was a bit, you know, but retail. Yeah. So I says, I need any help with anything, and he just ignored me so I was like right that's my cue to go and uh, and then he went straight to my uh, senior uh, who was a man and asked him some questions and I'm not being funny but there was one of the seniors that hadn't even done photography before and it was because he got an experience in being a manager and I was studying photography at the time they, they said that they get that far too often where like the girls members of staff will just get completely ignored um that's the only real time i've experienced it but like for example i've i've done like group shoots with people uh, like with male photographers and they've been wonderful loaning me equipment telling me good locations giving me advice uh, when I was like really starting out, that was a godsend because I was still like coming out of my teens and I was still learning loads of stuff, just absorbing everything like a sponge. So for people to be that nice to me was great. Uh, so yeah, not necessarily in photography as such, but definitely in the camera kind of industry, there is going to be some. Yeah, that's disgusting. It's just very like, I just genuinely don't understand the logic behind it. Like, I don't understand how, I just don't understand how people would think like that, like, because you're a woman, you don't have any, like, technical expertise, like, if you're working there, why wouldn't you have technical expertise in it? Like, it just makes no logical sense. I honestly think it's gotten better. Like, when I was in college, for example, the majority of my uh, class were women, Um, and we did actually learn that when cameras came about for example when they were made portable and carryable they were given to the women in the family as a domestic item to record the family so women were actually the photographers in the time men were men were obviously the ones with the big doing the portraits and whatnot you know <laughs> so that was the kind of thing we'd learn that it was more of a women's domesticated activity and then suddenly it became a man's world kind of thing but I do think things are a lot less bad than they were now. Well, sorry, that made no sense. <laughs> I do think things are a lot better now than they were. Yeah, well, to be honest, most of the people we've spoken to on the podcast, because we always ask that question, yeah. and I'm pretty sure everyone has said, like, they've not had bad experiences in terms of, like, being discriminated against in the art world or, like, working. So I think there definitely have been improvements 
in that respect. Yeah, I, I certainly don't. There's been no occasion where somebody's just pointed to me going, "Hi, ah, you're a woman. You can't take a picture." There's God forbid. But you know that kind of um, that stigma. That there's there's going to be people probably experienced it that haven't realised they've experienced it because it's not been direct. But it's about like sort of figuring out where you might have experienced it, if it's valid, if it isn't, kind of thing, which everybody goes through. Yeah exactly yeah well I'm glad you've you've had a positive experience anyway <laughs> for the most part but um anyway to be fair like all the people in those Jess Ops camera shops probably didn't know anything about photography themselves they probably just wanted to buy themselves a new gadget to make them their balls feel bigger <laughs> majority of the retired men that get the first pension like I'm gonna get a really fancy camera and then I'm gonna take a load of pictures of yeah and then they'll go take loads of pictures of girls in the 20s as they're taking off bits of their clothing in a public place, probably an abandoned building, because that's edgy and cool. Uh, I don't hold any grudge against old men photographers, but there's always that stigma. And that's really hypocritical coming from me, who's just said there's a lot of stigma to women in the industry. There's a lot of stigma to old men in the industry. <laughs> <laughs> clearly <laughs> but to be fair old men do generally have like you know the advantage like in terms of you know in their old men's clubs and things I was talking about this the other day about um the masons um because I've never really known what the masons are I mean I still don't 100% know but I don't know why I always thought it was like this really cool like secret club and like I don't know why I pictured them like going into caves and doing rituals which is not what it is at all it's basically just like an old gentleman's club where they like open doors for each other and like give all their you know it's all like just like old middle class white men who like give each other opportunities and like I don't know get to actually... an internship at the mayor's office <laughs> My dad's actually applied to join the Freemasons. Oh no, I'm sorry. Because he was getting, I think he was getting some work done on the house and he wanted to knock 10 quid off it or something. And he he knows that if he joined the Freemasons, somehow he would be able to get 10 quid knocked off the price. Oh, that's fab. He oh, then gave me sorry. all the information about the secret society and I was like, Dad, you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> I'm not going to do that for fear that they come bursting through my window or something. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I don't really know much about them, but just like from what I've heard, it sounds very like sort of gentlemen's. I don't know. I just don't really like the idea of like gentlemen's clubs. I mean, I don't know why, because like it's fine to have like men's clubs, but just like the idea of like a gentleman's club just seems very like. Depends on the nature of it. I mean, no one's really going to know what goes on in the Freemasons. That's the whole idea of it. Mm. But I, I like the idea of clubs. Like, you know, I, it's something I never really um, utilised being young. I never really joined any clubs apart from brownies, but we don't talk about brownies. Uh, <laughs> Why? Oh, it was just boring. You know, you, you did this chant about how good the royal family were and then you'd go, like, doing some art shit or playing some games and then you'd say, like, a salute before you went home and it was just... Ugh. 
yeah no I was I was in the brownies also well I was also in the rainbows but I went to the yeah. rainbows I think once or twice and then I was bored so I quit and then when I was older I was like the brownies will be different so I joined the brownies didn't like the brownies so I quit the brownies and then I joined guides I don't know why yeah. I was joining I just couldn't stop and every time it was like I mean guides were slightly better because like we were a bit older so but we were still doing like crafts and so I don't know it's just a bit of a weird like what is the actual point? Do you know what I mean? I was just a bit confused about the actual whole concept of it. I think it's it's probably the kind of club that teaches you how to how to go with the system. Basically, it's it teaches you authority. It teaches you respect. Um, it basically like a moralistic class where they try and make it fun because you're young and you're naive but deep down it's literally just a ritual uh, a rite oh, of no, passage if you will um I don't like that at all i don't yeah. I just know why i kept joining it's every single time i joined i was like no this isn't for me but i just kept going back i feel like it's just something you get into though when when you're um a girl because like my brother for example did cubs for a while because yeah. obviously they've got their own and scouts kind of thing and it's just one of them things it's like it's there you're a you're born a boy you go to cubs you're born a girl you go to brownies yeah <laughs> yeah i think as well i don't know i just every time i thought about joining i thought it was going to be like a really exciting thing you know it's like a secret club and like it was going to be really cool and i mean like it was all right there was nothing drastically wrong yeah it was just like a bit underwhelming <laughs> Do you remember the absolute fashion crisis of the yellow t-shirt and brown trousers? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Is that, like, not, still, no is that not still you. the uniform? That's still how I remember the uniform. I think it might still. Oh, I mean, no, really bad. who came up with that and why? Ooh. Like the royal family, they just follow tradition and they don't sway. I've never seen the Queen in a yellow t-shirt and brown pants, I'm just saying. <laughs> you did see her in that green screen outfit though, didn't you? Where people no. photoshopping loads of oh my god so she wore like an entirely green dress and a green hat to match uh -huh. and because it's all green it's easy to photoshop on and people were just going online and t just shopping all this different stuff on her because she had this green dress oh you'll have to look it up after the podcast it's amazing i'm gonna somebody look it up somebody photoshopped a warrant for andrew's arrest on it on <laughs> wait why what, what what did he photoshop onto it no, somebody photoshopped a warrant for Prince Andrew's arrest onto the Queen. Oh my god! <laughs> I was going to say my favourite is the pepperoni pizza, but that one beats it out of the book. <laughs> right, let's wrap this interview section up. We'll have a little break and we'll go on to the Hall of Fame. So, yeah. what, our last question is the same question we ask everybody. What do you have in store for the future? So, um... Yeah, basically, I have actually got myself a new job. Um, I am going to be doing junior retouching and the odd photography shindig clothing company. Um, so I'm going to be doing that full time. I also have a side hustle where I teach photography on a weekend um, at a sort of beginner to amateur level. So that's obviously something I'd love to keep doing, climbing the ladder. I still intend on doing my portrait shots and building myself up as a photographer um so yeah in the future i'm hoping to see myself with probably more publications behind my belt probably doing some bigger names kind of shots i still really like my music photography i still really like my uh, headshot photography um 
maybe get into celebrity one day who knows maybe which celebrities would you photograph oh they'd be loads you know when you're like listening to a song and you can just imagine like a whole shoot and uh well at the minute i'm really into young blood and i think that would be the dream to just ask him if he wanted to do a shoot with me that'd be amazing um there's that like young loads. Blood. <laughs> yeah if you want to um, hire zoe <laughs> hi um like i'm a huge jared way fan and i would absolutely love to do something like that but again it's all just a teenage fantasy i think well you never know maybe one day i mean <laughs> you're 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 in the industry now you know you, you you're start you're starting out you'll get there and plus you're on this podcast which is going to reach millions of people so bit of promotion for you yeah. <laughs> um anyway so uh what are we talking about the future yes well yeah have you got anything um where can oh no we'll do this at the end i've completely fucked that up anyway where do you want to be in five years let's do let's do that it's a bit unpredictable to be honest i mean um ideally i I mean i intend to stay put here for example but um i I do want to be doing photography as a full-time gig still so uh you know i I like to think i've I've struck gold with where i am at the minute and i'm hoping to ride that sort of high a little while um it's quite unpredictable i'm i'm very open-minded whatever happens happens not imminent death or suicide but um (laughs) not like (laughs) not not joining 27 club because i'm 27 next year but (laughs) (laughs) um well i hope you do get to shoot young blood one day but not like shoot him like dead just (laughs) photograph him (laughs) There's loads of people, but I've, I've just like I listen to his music and I just fantasize like shoots and stuff that I'd love to do. He's just got. I think it it reverts back to why I do a lot of portraiture. Like my creative energy bounces off other people, so yeah. I get like this idea with somebody like Amy with the 3D, and I just want to do it. And I feel like it's it's kind of just bouncing my creativity around with certain people. Yeah, I I think. Like, I definitely prefer collaborating with people than working by myself. Like, I mean, yeah, like when I did photography, like I think my favorite thing to do is just, like there's so many subjects you can photograph. Like there's so many people who have different ideas. Like rather than just having your own ideas, I quite like, like just, oh, I was gonna say something really pretentious and I was gonna be like, I just want to let inspiration run wild, but I'm not gonna say that. To be well, honest, kind of, yeah, it kind of is like that. I mean, I, I, that's why I kind of find it hard to generate ideas just solely off myself. I get inspired by people. I, I don't love people. I maybe do love people a little bit, but I, I just, I, I love working with people because they're the ones I really get my creative energy from. Mm. So like, I, I get this idea. I see somebody like, I want to shoot you with my camera. Not with an AK-47. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just... I just think that about, like, all women. Like, like more women than men. Like, I, to be honest, I don't really... I mean, this sounds really bad, but I don't really see that many attractive men, like, walking around that often. But I always see, like, beautiful women. Fair. I mean, yeah, 
occasionally occasionally some men but like most of the time just like all different types of women just I think it's just like like I'm just a hardcore feminist who is just like not a lesbian but like adores women that's fair I mean I, I have worked like you tend to find with a lot of the music photography because I do try and uh, find bands that include women as well for, mainly for my portfolio because you're always going to get bands full of blokes you're always going to get alternative models that are solely like women you don't get as many men around I don't just shoot alternative models now by the way I'm very more open-minded um but same with modeling like the the ratio to men models as there is to women models is just it's insane so I do like to try and keep my portfolio very very varied I like to try and shimmy it up but yeah. you know it's in short supply <laughs> <laughs> um well anyway uh Amy, are you with us i am good um well would you like to i may as well just ask because i'm talking so yeah. zoe who have you chosen to put into the hall of fame so your favorite photographer or artist who inspires your work so there is a photographer I'd like to nominate. It's a historical photographer, but I just think she's badass. It's not even necessarily about a photography style. She's just insanely good. It's She's called Lee Miller. And uh, I went to see an exhibition of hers. I've seen them twice, actually. Uh, she basically started off her career where she was doing sort of modeling per se and assisting Man Ray, the famous photographer who sort of discovered solarization. She was like his assistant slash model. And she went on to do a lot of then sort of fashion photography herself and even surrealistic work. Um, she then went on to do like war photography and she was like on battlefields photographing like the, the ships, the, the men, the, everything. Um, so she's really had like this whole book of just this interesting photography life. She's just a non-stop and she's just an absolute badass. There was actually, um, I went to an exhibition of hers where um, she had a photograph of herself from when she was doing like a sort of documentary photography and she was taking a, a bath in Hitler's bathtub after he'd been killed. Um, so yeah, she's pretty cool. Yeah, I've just looked her up and she's absolutely gorgeous. And I've just found that mm. picture and it is so, so cool. wacky. Yeah. And that's the kind of person she is. She is this drop dead gorgeous woman who's done modeling, but then she's also like a really good photographer. <laughs> Hitler had a picture of himself near his bath. He did. Yeah. That's. I'm, I don't want to. Yeah, that's just. Let's just not even think about that. So yeah, I think she definitely deserves a place in the Hall of Fame. I hope you'll agree. Oh my God, oh, I love her. <laughs> oh, I know nothing about her, but I, like just the first few pictures of her are just so inspiring. There's a picture of her in a like army uniform, and it's just holy shit. Yeah. So cool. Well, where I'm where I'm from, you might have heard of. It's called Wakefield, uh, not far from Leeds. Um, they've got a massive art scene. Like it's such an artistic city, and um, we've got a big gallery called the Hepworth Gallery, named after the Wakefield sculptress Barbara Hepworth. And um, that was where I saw 
a big section of Lee Miller's work, including the Hitler and Battle photograph, um, where she did a lot of surrealistic stuff, which was it was just absolutely beautiful. Well, yeah, she looks amazing. Like, do you ever see people who aren't alive anymore and you're like, I want to be friends with you? Yeah, that tends to be a lot of my inspirations. <laughs> yeah, like I feel that way about um, Audrey Hepburn. I just, I just, I just love Audrey Hepburn. She's just, she's just amazing. Yeah. She's just like, she's just such a nice person as well. She's, I mean, she's not alive anymore, but she was <laughs> such a nice person. Like, you know, she wasn't just this like big movie star. She was like, I think she had like loads of work for charity and stuff. And um, people always comment on like how thin she was and everything. But the reason she was thin was because she was like malnourished um, and starved like during the wartime and everything. But oh yeah, I just adore her. So yeah, that's just me adoring women, questioning my sexuality. <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm fine. Um, so moving on to the big question of the Before evening. Moving on to the big question, I just want to say, if anybody's interested in looking at how the Hall of Fame lines up, seeing season one of the podcast and now season two of the podcast's Hall of Fame, it will be on our Instagram story and it's also uh, one of our Instagram highlights. Always yeah, I, see, I didn't even know that. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so thank you for choosing Lee Miller, Zoe. We've actually had some really cool photographers that, like, an artist who I didn't know about. Like, I love finding new people that I didn't know about before because there's, like, so many different... Everyone has such different tastes as well and, like, types of art and photography. We're moving on to the big question. So before podcast, we asked our, our guest of honour to like think of a topic that they wanted to discuss and open a dialogue on. What is it that you want to talk about, Zoe? I don't have a lot of opinions on anything really, but I could talk for England about the way that the creative industries, the creative arts are treating academic environments. Um, having come out of uni myself, I can honestly say the way that my art itself is graded and justified in coursework is an absolute shambles. Um, I'm not just saying this because I only got a 2-1, I'm dead chuffed with my grade. Not that anybody <laughs> asks me about it, but <laughs> it's um, it was quite hard to keep doing what you love to do when you've got to study it and got to be graded on it because it sucks the fun out of everything. Totally agree. When I was doing my master's degree, I had a um, shooter who said, I don't really know anything about experimental music, so I don't know how to grade you. And I was like, why the fuck am I here? Yeah, you're paying like nine or however much grand it is for you to do your master's even on that. Yeah. Yeah. I just think with um, anything like artistic or creative as well, like as you said, it's like, how is it actually graded? Because it's completely subjective. I mean, I think like they claim to do it on like, you know, how much evidence is there that you've researched like a concept and you've developed the project. And like, I get it from that perspective, but I'm also like, but how can you give someone like a first and someone a third? based on like how much you like their work. Yeah, it is all about opinions, I think, with most teachers. I mean, I had some okay lecturers in uni, 
sorry Mark I know you're on my Facebook you were great um so there was a there was a lot of um, favoritism going on which they probably didn't intend on but it's one of those subconscious you, you're gonna pick your favorite you're gonna dislike somebody's work you're gonna like somebody's work and that is gonna sway your opinion at the end of the day like you said with art being subjective with a logic um with a logic based course if it's wrong it's wrong but with a creative based course you could have the best photographer like the world has ever been graced with i'm not saying that's me for god's sake and they could get a poor grade because they've not got enough in the workbook or that the teacher didn't think that they had a good narrative to their picture it could be a stunning picture like all the settings could be perfect on it it could be well exposed it could be gorgeously conducted and it could just get a really shit grade you could literally get somebody that is insulting to the world of photography just by holding a camera and they could have a notebook that's got like all sorts of notes in it. Shut up, Amy. And... <laughs> I'm talking about me. I don't, know if, <laughs> I don't know if you ever saw my um, conceptual photo Instagram. I don't. Know, in fact, I don't know if you've seen my Instagram, which is just me posting pictures of nothing. Do you know? I liked it because that's. I think I, I kind of liked that you had a style that I didn't have. I get a bit of photo envy. Because I wish I was one of these like really abstract, like, oh, that's pretty, I'll take a picture, but I'm not. That's <laughs> just plain and simple. But I love seeing other people's work that's like that. <laughs> um, well, for my, I always felt like a bit of a um, cheat because for one of my projects, I did like a um, commentary on cosmetic surgery project where I looked at like the darker side of cosmetic surgery. So basically I worked with this makeup artist um, She's called Yasmin Felix Moore, by the way. Um, just, you know, if anyone wants to follow her on Instagram. Um, and she did like all my makeup, like doing like botched lip surgery and like botched nose surgery and everything. Um, but I always felt like I was cheating because like, I didn't actually take the photos because I wanted to use myself as the model. So I just like set the camera up on a stand, but then like my photography teacher was there. So like, he just like pressed the button for me. <laughs> but the concept was mine, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you did most of the work. Well, I always used um, I always used myself as a subject, not because I'm really vain, but because like the stuff I did was so weird. I didn't want to ask anyone else to do it, so like I just do it myself. But then it was so hard. I don't know if you've ever like self, like done self shoots, Zoe. But like when I do it on my own, like and I'm not in the studio, and I did it over, it was so hard because I'd have to like set it on a timer on a tripod, run to the other room, try and do a pose, and then I'd be like slightly out of shot, so I'd have to run back, reposition it, and then run back again. I've only done one, and that was because uh, that it was actually I think the Derbyshire Times posted it, like send us your lockdown pictures, and I got this really cool idea, like this on a whim, and. I wanted to do like a bit of a sequence shot of me in my garden doing different things. I said myself because not only could you not meet up with people, but I couldn't really, um, it was again kind of a strange concept that I didn't really want to go asking somebody, oh, by the way, will you do this for me? So I set my camera up on a tripod in my garden and like I kept moving like props in and out and like I'd press the timer, go run to my spot, like sit down with a can and then go uh, set the timer again and then run to another spot and it, that kind of works really that's actually on my instagram actually i think it's called lockdown three 
Um, yeah, that was really. Wait, was that the one with like you like three times throughout the yeah. first? Yeah. Yeah. No, I really like that. Um, yeah, it's like a pain in the ass to do, though, isn't it? Like shooting yourself. Like I do prefer being behind the camera and shooting someone else, preferably, just because. Yeah, as you said about like control, it is sort of harder to control it when like you have to be on both sides. <laughs> absolutely and like if you're so used to shooting people that know how to be picture perfect and i absolutely don't <laughs> um i don't know if you've tried the um inverted filter on tiktok has anyone done that i don't have a tiktok and oh. i will keep pride in that for as long <laughs> as i can uh, i have i have no no pride at this point <laughs> but i do i do feel quite guilty about it but basically there's this filter called the inverted filter which is like super popular at the moment and it's meant to like show you what you look like to other people and honestly like it may it just everyone who does it it makes them want to cry because it's just not how you think you look and like okay I don't know if looking at me it looks like it but when people take pictures of me or when like I see myself in the inverted filter one of my eyebrows goes higher up than the other and I don't know why I have anxiety all I have to do is look in a mirror and I see that <laughs> But your eyebrows are perfectly symmetrical. There's no one higher than the other. Do you know how long it took these bad boys to grow back out from the 2000s? <laughs> Why, what happened? Did you shave them? I shaved no. Them. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Amy did. But do you remember when it was really fashionable to have them so thin? Oh, yeah. And that was when I was in school. The monitor. So what, but did, what do you do then? Do you pluck them? Yeah, did, did you not? Ella, how old are you? 22. Oh, you're so much younger than me. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, Emmy's only... This is why it makes no sense. The younger kids don't know. Well, to, to be fair, though, I've never followed all the eyebrows. I just don't give a fuck about eyebrows. Genuinely, I've never... I've literally never touched my eyebrows in my life. I've not drawn on them. I've not... I just don't care. I don't know why. I've just never seen eyebrows as a fashionable feature. No. It, it, one of those things, it was kind of... You have to pluck them thin. Otherwise, you look scraggly. And that, that, this bearing in mind, when I was in high school, it was fashionable to orange yourself up with concealer lips, which oh, I'd like no. to say I didn't do. It went as far as the eyebrows, that was it. Sturking <laughs> away from eyebrows and back to the question. Sorry. <laughs> has everybody heard recently about the Conservative government cutting funding to arts programmes? Yeah. No. Oh my god, I live under a rock. Well, you've been busy doing stuff, but yeah, the Conservative government have cut funding to art programmes by like two and a half thousand pounds a year, which doesn't sound like a lot of money, but there's not enough money in the arts for in arts in the UK as it is at the minute, so we should yeah. all be angry. What is the point in even doing that though? Surely that doesn't even make a dent in their budget and they've just taken it away as like for spite. It's so they can give themselves a bigger bonus probably. Probably, yeah, so that they can have their own pubs in their house so when the pubs close, <laughs> whenever they do again, they've got somewhere to go. Yeah, the um, Welsh Conservative actually um, forego some of their duties uh, in the in the Senate, just so they could go and drink in their um, private bar while the pubs were closed. Oh, I think, fab! I think they did that at um, 
in London as well. I'm pretty sure they have their own private pub there. But to forgo your duties serving the people just so you can go and have a pint, disgusted. Yeah, I, I try to stay out of politics because I don't like offending people, but I just hate Tories. I can't. <laughs> I just, like... I just, so I've just lot of, I've lost the ability to speak. Apparently, yeah, that was I, my anger in response to the cutting more art funding. Information on you right in the middle of this podcast. Well, right at the end of this podcast, but yeah. I'm just like, just what the uh, fuck is wrong with them? Like, oh, also, um, if anyone's listening, uh, you can check out our highlights for like stats for um women in the art. It's focused on women in the arts, but it just shows you how little arts funding there is for everything. Like there's really little funding for theatre companies, for any sort of art groups, schools. How do we know? Um because I'm on Instagram as we speak, it is the um women's theatre companies received 0.64% of the arts council funding. Oh, yeah. That's even gonna, you know. Yeah, no, it's like fucking disgraceful. But yeah, I just, I think as well though, there needs to be more help for people getting into creative things if that that's what they want to do, but not necessarily by going to university, in my own opinion, I think more people should be set up with like, there should be more like creative opportunities for young people, like apprenticeships, like like when you turn 18 or, hmm? So I think it's Denmark anyway. If you put down you're an artist on the on your um, um, census, which they do every year, not every few years. Like if you write artist or musician or whatever down, the government say, right, here's some money. By the end of the year, you need to have this much art. We will come around and we will check, but we will pay for you to do art. We will pay you this much money and you just have to make sure that you've produced, I don't know, an album if you're a musician or like this much work of paintings if you're a painter. Like That's great because it means yeah. we get taken seriously. Like, like the amount of stigma again that artists get in our country it's like a, oh it's a hobby you're not supposed to do it as a career uh, why should i pay you to do this at least their government say well here's some money get out there kid you know it's, I, I said this joke on an i think it was jackie's podcast where i said you know what i say to aspiring actors i'll have a large latte <laughs> It's so rude and it's so like, but that that joke only exists in Britain and America because we look down on the arts despite, I would say, relying on them, especially like music and TV. The UK relies on it, especially in lockdown. Well, especially things like um, digital art and motion graphics, like that's a massive thing at the moment. I mean, to be honest, if you've done graphic design at uni, you are in such a good position at the moment because when I came out, there was like, the only jobs that were available were digital marketing and graphic design because obviously everything's gone even more digital than it was before. So like people who are doing digital art, like there's so many opportunities for that at the moment. But I think, what they should do is teach you more like applicable skills that you can use as a creative. So like whatever medium you do, maybe like teach you like the fundamentals or basic of like 
InDesign and Photoshop and Illustrator. And then like, you can either use them or not in the future. But I think having those skills opens more doors. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, going back again to the kind of university one, I mean, I was in commercial photography, so it was slightly different for me. It is like, oh, you know, to be a photography practitioner, you've got to move to London. You've got to do this. You've got to do that kind of thing. And maybe they did skip over a few points, but like for the arts photography side of it, for example, that's just the key word. It was just a photography uh, degree, which is like mine, except from it was seen as more of a, a expression. Like it wasn't career orientated. So if people did want a career in the arts and they did just a normal photography degree, they'd be hanging on a rope. They wouldn't know where to go. Um, so I, th no. I think in like the academics and that they, they don't prepare you well enough for the type of world you want to be in and I think a lot of people because now they're limiting the courses you can do in school there's a lot of people that probably don't even know you can access certain art subjects mm. and you don't need to go to university and you don't no I was about to make a joke saying it brings us to this week's sponsor but we're not actually sponsored by him if but you want to sponsor us <laughs> Yeah, in fact, Skillshare, please sponsor us. Um, <laughs> Skillshare is awesome, like, because you can just go on and you can learn stuff from people that actually know what they're talking about. Well, like, I used Skillshare to learn how to do podcast edit. Oh. Well, to be honest, I think, like, there's so much online now, like, in terms of resources. Like, I'm still learning how to do, like, digital marketing. Um, but, like, there's so much online. Like, there's loads of free courses, loads of information. Like, uh, I spoke to you um, because I was looking at going into graphic design before I went into digital marketing. Um, and I was looking at, like, whether, like, doing a course would be better or whether just, like, teaching yourself and... Um, loads of like videos I watched online and like I spoke to a couple of graphic designers as well to ask them what their experience was and a lot of them were saying like they literally you can teach yourself like if you put yourself it's because it's a lot about just like building a portfolio so what you do is you teach yourself all the fundamental skills so like you'll teach yourself Adobe Illustrator, InDesign, Photoshop, learn the digital skills and then just set yourself loads of like projects and tasks and build up your portfolio and then get an internship and for loads of them it was really successful well, it's like I think that is so much more practical and so much more effective than learning for three years doing academic essays and things and I know that you do do practical stuff as well but I just don't think and it does depend what course you do because some courses are more vocational and helpful but I know especially with my course it was just like bits and bobs of everything and you come out being like well I don't really know anything specific and I literally have no idea what I want to do yeah I'm going to say, as somebody that did three years of uni and a master's and wants to go and do a PGC and eventually a PhD. Idiot. Yeah, I know. University is mainly there for the experience, not for the actual education. It's for the moving out of home and living by yourself and meeting new people and social skills. Not necessarily what you actually learn at the course. The course is just there for an excuse. Bloody expensive excuse to move out, but it's, yeah. You could just Google. That's how I got through my degree. So Google taught me most of it, not my tutors. 
Yeah. I think, you know, I, I don't regret going to uni because like, I had, you know, I had a great time. It's not like I'm going to say like, oh, I went and had a really shit time. I had a great time. And I think it is like, it's a very nice period of your life before you're in the real world just to like have a loan and like, you not really have to worry about anything real. Like bills are all included in like your rent. Like it's all very chill, but I, it is just, it is a bit of a harsh slap in the face when you come into the real world. Yeah, it is. But uh, <laughs> anyway, the end point is there should be more money put into the arts and creativity and funding, but there should be probably more opportunities and more help in terms of actually getting into the industry rather than focusing on education. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and with that, I think we'll move into our outro as this cuts off in 10 minutes and I don't want to start a fourth Zoom call. <laughs> so I think we'll move on. Um, so I just want to say thank you to Zoe for coming on tonight. It was lovely to speak to you and uh, I'm sorry we had so many interludes, but at least you got to go to the loo. Um, <laughs> and where can people find you on uh, social or online? Well, at the minute I'm on a bit of a standstill. But I am on Instagram under Sed Creative UK. You can find me on Facebook under the same bio. I've got a website to check out my portfolio, just www.sedcreative.co.uk. Um, often you'll find me in the pub. Um, yeah, just in every pub <laughs> or at work, because that seems to be my life now, <laughs> teaching people photography. So I'm dotted about doing bits <laughs> well congratulations on your new job again and uh, if you do want to find zoe be sure to go to your nearest pub um <laughs> in wakefield if you want a better chance of finding her um so yeah thank you for listening uh, to promote ourselves uh you can find us at the women's underscore workshop on instagram or you can find immy at immy midi uh, so as we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, we have a competition uh, that's going up live tonight, uh, which is entitled, uh, What Does Feminism Mean to You? You can explore it in any art medium you want, but the prize will be a commission by me and Immy to design our podcast logo. Um, so you can design it in any medium as long as it can be a logo of some form so it could be a sculpture take a picture of it whatever uh so yeah hope you all have fun with that and Immy, would do you have anything to add any final words yeah just say that you can find us on twitter i still can't remember the twitter handle but if you look for the women's workshop <laughs> we'll be there i'm very sorry um if the podcast provider that you are watching listeners on has the ability to rate and leave a review please do even if it's horrible like engagement is engagement um, really love there's a fine line so yeah subscribe to us on youtube like our like us on spotify followers on spotify you obviously found us so well done like just click the follow button um and eventually we'll have a twitch channel and you can find us playing video games and djing on a saturday night oh fab i didn't even know that no it just leaves us all now to say goodbye. So, goodbye. Bye. Bye.